Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Keith Brooks. Welcome to another episode of Not Quite Cool. I am here as always. Come soon. Chad, how you doing? fairly obvious at the moment that Rob is not with us. He may join us. We'll see. But this goes to show you um, Rob's lack of professionalism. Yeah. Because we we really only record when we can get Rob on board, the main podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's like once a month that, you know, that that's what we're kind of uh, doing. But we have recorded ourselves two podcasts together of our sister podcast, Not Quite Darkness, where we go through the In Search of Darkness documentary, 80s horror movies, where we talk about that. We've, we've already done two of those. Got, got it together easy peasy and no problem whatsoever. Yeah. And now we're just, again, waiting on Rob. We've been planning this uh, to record and he's not even here. Nope. And you just, why don't you tell him uh, your thoughts on us recording at this moment, Keith, and, and how you found out about that. Yeah, so Chad messages me maybe an hour ago. I was like, Rob's running late. He's probably going to run super late. Do you want to just go ahead and get started without him? And I was like, what? I didn't know we were recording tonight. Rob didn't tell me. So that's how I found out was finding out Rob was going to be late. And I was still on time. <laughs> like, Rob's not even here yet. I had an hour and I got here. Granted, I was just eating vegetable lo mein with my puppies but still you know it's you know, plus you know the fact that he's not here we, we've seen like 10 different things and rob's seen two of those so it's not yeah. like he's missing out you're not missing out listener of his opinion on yeah. these movies that he has not seen plus we really want to get uh, our thoughts out on ant-man and the wasp quantumania while it's relevant and still hot and fresh in the theaters um <laughs> exactly. we we will have we a, do have a special guest yeah that's exactly right. yeah we have a special guest that's going to be here for one of our films, um, but, but we'll get to that movie in a second. First, in honor of Rob, who is not here with us yet, let's go ahead and talk about something kind of old, and that's uh, 65. Chad went and saw this. Uh, Chad, what did you think about Adam Driver versus Dinosaurs, the movie? Uh, yeah, I thought this movie was fine. Um, it's not a bad movie. You know, it's not a great movie. It, it's kind of a paint my numbers to me the best thing about it was the trailer and the reveal in the trailer and once you know that it's 65 million years ago and he's actually on earth you know that's the reveal that's the big one yeah in the trailer and that's a great reveal absolutely but i mean that's that's what the movie is so once we get that there's not a whole lot more to it it is adam driver fighting dinosaurs you know there's some cool special effects the dinosaurs are um I'd say scarier for the most part than Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Cool. They've, they've got them looking more monstrous in certain aspects as far as that goes. Adam Driver's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of Adam Driver, so he's good at, no matter what he's in. Uh, but again, it was just a, to me, a basic paint by numbers. Best part about it was the idea of the film. 
Well, speaking of uh, paint by numbers and ideas, let's talk about something that might be a little bit childish, like paint by numbers is, and that's a new horror film I saw and Chad saw and our special guest saw and Rob would be confused by the title of a horror film that came out recently entitled Skinamarink. Um, I saw it on Shudder. Chad... What did you think about Skinamarink, this movie you forced me to fucking watch when you're like, A24 is too weird for me? Uh, and now they're winning all the Oscars. I want to remind, but that's fine. In the most non-A24 film around, though, mm-hmm. that's what's winning the Oscars. Two of them. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you said Skinamarink is, uh, rather be confused with the title. Everything about it is confusing. Yeah. Like, it's not just a title you know this is an experimental film and i don't in general don't like experimental films and this this holds true i you know i don't like this movie uh is it a movie do you call it a movie nope i wouldn't call it a movie i sure it's an hour and 45 minutes of something i wouldn't call it a movie though this is not for me on any level whatsoever I wanted you to watch it because I really thought that uh, you might just, you know, get high and just love this. It might be the greatest movie you've ever seen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got high, uh, but there are definitely parts of it I liked. I respect what it's trying to do, but I'll talk about that in a second. Go ahead and finish. You know, it's, you know, there's some creepy imagery, you know, don't get me wrong. There, There is some creepy stuff in the movie that happens, but overall to me, it's not a movie. This would maybe and I stress maybe work is like a 20 minute short that that's the extent of this. I, this is a hard pass. I would not recommend this movie to anyone. Because you literally, again, it's not a movie. you recommended it to me. You <laughs> asshole. I'm done with what you have to say. <laughs> I'm going to call in. We have a special guest coming in right now to tell about her view of the film. Uh, this is going to be Maggie Dowdy. This is your first time on the yep, show. I'm- Absolutely. It's her debut. I'm going to turn it over to her. So here's Maggie. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. And for all the awesome stuff, most people don't know Maggie does the the thumbnail art for the show. She did the trailer song, all sorts of crazy stuff. This is literally what (laughs) you're holding it together. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You're the backbone. Rob is the tumor. Um, So you saw Skinamarink. What did you Uh think about Skinamarink? Uh, well, I liked it, but I didn't like it. So it's an hour and 40 minutes. The first hour and 20, I'm about to fall asleep. I'm like, this is boring. And then the last 20 minutes, I'm like, this is, a, can I, am I allowed to cuss? Yes. Thumbs up? I got a thumbs up. Good. Okay. Fuck yeah. Last 20 minutes, scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So I like, I decided to watch this at like midnight alone in my room because why not? And that was a mistake. So I grabbed the remote for my TV in the last 20 minutes. And I noticed about five minutes later, the remote is like soaking wet from the sweat that is on my hand because of how nervous I am watching this movie. <laughs> like I'm freaking out. And uh, like, I'm just like drenched in sweat. I don't yeah. know how that happens, but I'm drenched and <laughs> I'm freaking out. And I don't know if you remember this, but like the phone jump scare, like little toy phone. Yeah. With the okay. eyes and stuff. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So <laughs> that jump scare happens. It's one in the morning. I scream. I hope I don't wake my parents up. 
And then the weirdest thing, I, my vision starts to blur. Like, I don't understand. Like, I've never had an experience like that with a movie before. My like vision is blurring and my heart is like, like I feel like I need to turn this off. So I pause it. And I'm like, how much time do I, I can't do any more of this. <laughs> I pause it and I'm like, how much time is left? And I still got like 20 minutes. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So I sit there. The blanket is like, you know, that like just my eyes are peeping out of the blanket. I'm watching it like that. And, and I'm like, I feel so embarrassed for being so scared of this movie is the main thing. <laughs> I peep it out of the blanket. And then there's that face in like the abyss in the, yeah, in the last like five minutes. And it like speaks to me like what's your name and then I pause it because I'm like I don't want to watch this anymore and I see that there's no more subtitles left I'm like okay I watched it I turned it off with like three minutes left because I'm like I don't want to watch the rest of it <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm done so I watched the entirety of Skin Rink and I will stand by that I will not be watching the last three minutes it's fine um but yeah and then I turned it off and I couldn't go to sleep and then I I it took me a while, woke up about four in the morning, had to pee so bad. And then I was like, you know what? If I step out of the room, it's going to be a dark hallway. I'm not going to be able to see anything. I can hold it. I don't need to go that bad. I really had to go pee, but I didn't want to get out of my bed. <laughs> I did it. So it was, it was really bad. I've never had a reaction like that. Again, first hour and 20, so boring. For the last 20 minutes is the scariest stuff I've ever seen in a movie before. Were you terrified by like corners of your house yes. and stuff like that after yeah. And I have like stuffed animals in my room. Oh. And they kept looking at me at the night. And then they started floating in the middle of the yeah. night. And all, oh. oh yep. Yeah. No, I, I like it is scary imagery wise, but then uh -huh. you're you're also closer to the age of like creepy pasta and stuff like that. Do you ever read yeah. creepy pastas anything like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. To me, like that's Love what that. this feels like is like a creepy pasta yeah. come to life. Mm -hmm. Like um yeah. so but but even for you, an hour and 20 minutes of it was too extreme to only the last part of it that you really enjoyed. I enjoyed the strong word. Okay. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. It was See, something. <laughs> See, your dad made it seem like you fucking loved this movie and I had to watch it because you wanted to talk about it so much. And then I I mean I did. Yeah. They were dying laughing in the morning. I'm telling this story. My dad's like crying with laughter when I'm saying how wet the remote is. Like it's slipping out of my hand because I'm sweating yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. I had a, th this movie's like nine and a half years old, but there's a movie called Hereditary. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Right. So I'm uh -huh. watching it. Uh, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm watching it on a DVD and, and yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting there. My, my girlfriend at the time is asleep on the couch beside me. I'm invigorated in this movie. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's the section where they set Gabriel Byrne on fire. And I'm just like completely mind fucked about what's happening. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden yeah. the TV turns off in yeah. real life. And I'm like, what, what just happened? And I look down and one of my cats has pressed the button to turn it off. <laughs> and I, I almost peed myself. So I totally yeah. understand that, that was my uh, skin and ring moment. Yeah. I don't know if dad said this, but he was watching the ring one time and like at his house in yeah. like, it was like midnight or something. And then, like why like the cable went out so it did that static thing oh when he's watching the ring <laughs> yeah 
That's yeah. terrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you would not recommend skin ring to people, or you would because of the last couple minutes? Yeah, you... yeah, I recommended it to my coworker, and he loved it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for your uh, your opinion on Skin Marine and your your review. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chad's daughter signing off. I guess <laughs> Chad's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Maggie Dowdy. I appreciate. Thank it. you. Thank you. <laughs> he got it. He got my name. Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. Uh, she must have been doing a bit or something because that was not her voice the whole time she was talking. She's doing an accent. Clearly, <laughs> but let me talk about the bullshit that is Skin and Marie real quick. What the fuck is this movie? Like, no, I get it that it is, it is creative, definitely. Uh, to not have people in your entire film, uh, it is very cool that they took the meaning of camera angles very literally and just showed me angles of a house. Uh, it is. Interesting that there's like maybe a story of like a kid being neglected and dying and like that's maybe what the plot is and this is all the interpretations of dying moments or that this house has been transported to hell. All of that's interesting. I don't think it's this long of a movie interesting. Um, Not even close. And yet this movie's got like praise everywhere, uh, which is fine. I mean, it, it is creative. I'm sure it costs $5 to shoot and and good job really milking that. Wonderful job. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I'm glad I watched it. I will never watch it again. There you go. No. And as I said, I would not recommend this to anyone. I'll, I'll, change, I'll change it a little bit. I would not recommend this to anyone that's a normal person. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate most that. People. Yeah, no problem. I also like the 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 name Skinamarink. I only know that from the fucking song when we were kids. The Skinamarinky Dinky Dink, like that thing. Is that what that's a reference to, or is there something else that Skinamarink? I think your guess is as good as mine. It sounds it could be that because again, it's kids. You know, we see toys, young kids stuff. It makes sense to me. I, none, none of it makes sense to me whatsoever. No, that's true. Well, speaking about fucked up stuff, uh, let's talk about <laughs> this other film that both Chad and I saw, uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. This is one of the wildest movies I've seen in a long time with an amazing cast featuring Ray Liotta and a bear. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Cocaine Bear. Chad, what did you think about Cocaine Bear? This was fun. I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, it's like you said, great cast. Um, and you know, it is called Cocaine Bear and we're there to see the bear, but I, I enjoyed the cast. I enjoyed, I thought it was funny. Some of this, because you know, it's, it's not 90 minutes of a bear attacking people, but you know, we got to have other stuff in the movie. So it works. The other cast to me worked. Uh, the bear scenes were awesome though. Like yeah, the bear yeah. was awesome. It was super, super great. As far as the characters, I was a big fan of that park ranger. I thought she was so so funny. good. Yeah, how she was like in love with that other guy, and just the way she was acting about everything. Like big fan, and her spoiler, her death was brutal, was amazing, amazing. Un it's it's one of the best deaths I've seen in horror movies. Like I don't yeah. know if you call this a horror movie. I, I you know it's borderline. It's a creature feature. Yeah, as far as that goes, but. Her death was amazing. It was it was one of the ones where when it happened, I was in the theater and I really don't typically don't make noise. I'm not clapping if everybody's clapping or something like that. But I was like, oh, you know, 
when she fell out of that uh, ambulance and landed and just the face was grinding so oh god it was yes, so good it looked so brutal yeah it, it was amazing so yeah fan of this i would say this is about as good of a movie as you can expect when it's called cocaine bear see i disagree because i think it's a i think it's better than you expect it to be like i thought i was going in for the schlock of something like snakes on a plane which i thought was an uh, ultimate okay. di- disappointment but this was el- like i loved all the characters it felt like there was a lot of heart to the film i love that the soundtrack was very synthy like i all of that i thought was great i thought felicity was amazing young han solo was great ice cube was fantastic or ice cube jr rather um i <laughs> Like, I just walked away laughing my ass off, thinking it still had, like, a lot of heart. The kids felt very Bad News Bears-ish, um, and the bear was awesome. I'm glad the bear was a villain, but also not a villain, and that was awesome to me to see that. Um, yeah, I just, I had a blast. This is one of my favorite movies I've seen of the year, um, and my favorite probably drug-fueled bear film ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you know, get ready now because we're going to get, you know, they're all coming. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, I think I've already saw a poster for, I'm sure it'll be direct to streaming or something, but Meth Gator. Yeah, Meth know? Gator. I think we're going to have like Speed Shark, um, Cannabis Caterpillar, like a lot of stuff yeah, like I'm that. I'm ready for like Heroin Rhino. That, that was the one I'm going for. <laughs> I'm super you know excited. I mean? Why not? But from I'm the bear, yeah, it was fun. yeah, yeah. But from the bear to uh, a, a different creature, but we're talking about an under the sea creature right now. It's still a mammal, and it's uh, the whale. Uh, I know this is a little bit old, but uh, I just saw it. Uh, the A twenty four Brendan Fraser starring film uh, that won him an Oscar, won him an Academy Award, and you know how much of fans we are of A twenty four here at the podcast. So we're we're celebrating for them uh, entirely across the board. You're an A twenty four. I, I absolutely am. Uh, I'm going to get that as a shirt, but the people are going to be confused. Uh, but uh, The Whale, uh, have you seen it yet? No, and I, I know you don't remember this, but on the podcast, we talked about the trailer. And at the end was, I'm never going to watch this movie. <laughs> I I think you should. It's very, like, it is much more... I know it's based on a play and it feels like it's based on a play. Like he shoots it. He doesn't shoot it as if it was a play, but he keeps that sort of self-contained notion to it. Um, And Brendan Fraser is absolutely incredible. Everybody in this movie is incredible. It makes me hate Sadie Sink, like with a passion. Um, Her character is so complicated and nuanced but you are driven to despise her for a second. And and it really forms your opinion about who Brendan Fraser is. Like your hatred for her makes you feel a very specific way about him, which is a weird experience to have. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, I, I, I don't know that it's powerful. I mean, it's powerful in performance. I, I think oftentimes when we say a movie is powerful, we you know think of it, it makes us walk away with an inspirational message. And I don't think that's what happens here, but instead it does move you to see this person's life and see how it unfolds. You know what I mean? Um, right. I, I highly recommend it. I, I think it's absolutely beautiful film and, and a well-deserved award uh, on his part. Definitely. But speaking so of, you would say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you, so you, I know we haven't seen everything that's, um, 
Oscar nominees. Yeah. He won the Oscar. So you definitely think, yes, he deserved the Oscar out of, you know, the other stuff that you say, because because I, I know um, you know Austin Butler was nominated for Elvis. Yeah, and, and I think won he won some of the other award show. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you sing and you play a real person. Oscar people like that. Yeah, let me you look know. at the uh, the nominees real quick. So it was Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Austin Butler in Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inisherin, Bill Nye in Living, and Paul Mescal in After Sun. I saw three of those. I saw. Um, the Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis and the Whale. I think Colin uh, was great. Absolutely was phenomenal. I think Austin Butler was transformative uh, as Elvis, even to the degree where it was hard for him to transform back. And I'm not convinced he's fully done it yet. Uh, But I think with Brendan Fraser's character has this optimism that is just so unrelenting in it. And then in addition to that, Butler has a physical transformation, but it's not the same as what, you know, Fraser's has. And Fraser's might be a lot of makeup and prosthetics, but still he carries the mechanics of that, of how to actually move from this point. And uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I think ultimately, I do think he's the the a, a great pick. Now, again, all of these are subjective. It's weird and it's hard to like, pile up art against one another and say this is the best one because it's all right you know the mood and everything so but but i think well deserved um yeah that's my opinion i'll stick to it no matter what you say chad i don't know hey he can win it i just i'm just not going to watch his performance that's all i'm saying no you should oh my god nothing against him but now that he's an oscar winner make mummy four get it done Absolutely, absolutely. Put Michelle Yeoh and Keith Kwan in. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brandon Fraser's a fighter. Um, and as is this next film that we're going to talk about, uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan. Chad saw this. I thought I saw the first 30 minutes of it, but starring Tessa Tom, uh, Thompson, uh, Michael B. Jordan, and Jonathan Majors. This is Creed 3. Ding, ding, ding. I didn't hear no bell. Chad, what did you think about this new installment in the Rocky franchise? Well, I mean, I'm glad that you're taking the spot of Rob here in this where you've watched 30 minutes of something that we're going to talk about. Like, is this even out on digital? Like, is it at the movie theater only? Did you leave halfway through? Was there a fire alarm? I got a screener, but I don't think I'm supposed to tell anybody I got the screener, but go ahead. Oh, okay. That makes makes a little more sense, but still. So, First of all, you can't top Creed 2, as far as I'm concerned. I love Creed 2. Mm-hmm. I love the history with Drago and bringing it back, and he's facing Drago's son. I love it. So you can't top that. This was good. You know, I enjoyed it a lot. But this one even has Drago in it. So, you know, that's that's cool. But this was uh, Jonathan Major's film. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's Creed. I know Michael B. Jordan directed it. But it, I mean, as far as a director, he's given it to Jonathan Majors. Like his performance in this movie is amazing. Like I, I've always been a fan of Jonathan Majors. This one is, I, I'm not even being like hyperbolic. It's like if he gets nominated for an Oscar for this, I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. Like he is so good in what he does in this film and the transformation. And I don't mean like how he looks like a beast of a man. I just mean like what he goes through is so good in this movie and it's so personal. I, you know, 
I love it. I, I love his performance. I mean, his, his performance carries this movie. I do think that, um, you know, this is a spoiler a little bit, but you may have already known this or heard it that, you know, so Stallone's not in this movie. Yeah. And it, I do feel that he's, uh, you notice it. Gotcha. You know, like I want some Stallone in the movie. I know that it's Creed's story and we're going forward. It feels like, though, that what we've done is we have, I know it's Creed 3. I don't know how many more they're going to make, but this made a ton of money. But it feels like we've jumped to the end of Creed's story. We flash forward so much that, I mean, obviously, there's plenty of places you can go. We look at the Rocky story. You know, I mean, I, I do not like Rocky Five, but Rocky Five, he wasn't boxing. Then he came yeah. back out of retirement in six. And then, you know, now he's in Creed. So you could still do some stuff with Creed. So I'm not saying his story is over by any means. But certainly, it just seems like we have sped through his career very quickly uh, with these three movies. But overall, I'm a fan of this franchise. I love Michael B. Jordan, but I cannot praise Jonathan Majors enough in this film. I, you know, and again, I've only seen a, a portion of the film. I'm up to the place where he is about to spar with um, the man that Creed and Duke have been training. So that's where I'm at right now. So yeah. I haven't seen a lot of majors, but I, I've been impressed by Michael B. Jordan's direction in the film, all that stuff. Um, yeah, there's, you know, I'm not saying anything out of turn here. There, everybody's saying there's a lot of anime influence in this film. Oh, definitely. So I yeah. think you might, you know, you might dig that as you go along. Yeah, yeah. And I'm liking it so far. And, and, and yeah, I, I think... There, there are elements of it so far that remind me of Rocky Five in the sense that he's taking on a mentorship. Uh, like I could see the, you know, Adonis and and Dame being Rocky and Tommy Gunn sort of relationship. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to get back into it. But so far, I, I wonder if I'm going to feel the absence of Stallone. You know, oftentimes when you have an actor that's so associated with the franchise and they're absent from it, you really feel that kind of like our next installment which is a new horror film that was just released and that is scream vi uh scream six ghostface takes the burrows chad what did you think about scream six i love the scream franchise uh every film in the franchise this one included you know i i, I love these movies um i i do feel though that this is going to hurt your feelings a little bit, Keith, I believe, is that Neff Campbell was not missed as much as I missed Rocky in Creed. Okay. I, I, I mean, I really, I'm digging this new cast. Like, you know, we got to know him in Scream 5. I, I feel Scream 5 is a better movie, but we got to know him in Scream 5. We got more of them, you know, in this, and I didn't really miss Sydney. I mean, at all, really. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not a whole lot. But, you know, we did have Gail. There's no Dewey because Dewey died in this one. And I think how they use Gail was pretty perfect. I love the, um, the, the scene where she almost gets punched and she's like, it's yeah. not my first rodeo or whatever. And then she gets she punched. Gets punched. By, uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, so I like that. But I got to tell you, though, Gail's never been like one of my favorites in the franchise. I mean, I like Gail, you know, she's one of the originals or whatever, but it was doing something to me when Ghostface was attacking her 
in her house, you know, I was like saying like, fight, get it. You know, I did not want anything to happen to Gail. I, you know, I was, I was worried to death for Gail in that moment. And so, so it works in that regard, you know, cause I'm, yeah. I'm worried and we're going to uh, spoil this movie. So yes. if you, if you have a scene scream, you know, screaming a lot of times it's all about the reveal who the killer or killers are. We're going to get into that. So fast forward if you don't want to know, because, you know, we're going to get into it. If you're watching this on YouTube, the, the times are marked at the bottom. So go into the next one. Yep. Absolutely. So this is the first screen where I knew who the killer was almost immediately. Me too. And it wasn't like a guess, like some of the screens I'm like, oh, I think it might be that one and you might be right. But this one was, it's obvious to me based on the writing and the dialogue that it's, it has to be this. As soon as, and I can't even remember her name, but as soon as their roommate said Quinn. that, I, Quinn, yep. As soon as Quinn said, I lost my brother when I moved here, when I lost my brother, I was like, oh, her brother must be Richie. Yeah. Like, immediately, Instantly, I thought that. I knew the whole thing. Instantly, yes. I knew. The only thing I didn't know was the second brother, but everything exactly. else I, I got immediately when they said it. Yes. And then you got the cop who is her dad. So you've already got the two killers right there. You got the dad and the daughter. Like, the, obviously, those are the two killers. Again, I did not think that there would be three killers in this one. So that was surprising. It was fine. But um, because even when he brought it up later, when he was like, oh, both my kids, I was like, you keep mentioning this. You know, we got it. We know it's Richie. Come on. Yeah. I mean, so that takes it down a little bit because it was so obvious yeah. you know of who it was and again that's the only screen movie that i've that i've felt that about that it was obvious who it was i've had guesses and thought it might be people based on what we watched but again that was like almost the beginning of the movie when quinn said that line so you're already and then when quinn has a relationship with her father well then you, there it is so yeah. that that's i didn't like that piece but we got, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it starts off and it shows Samara Weaving. One of my favorite actresses. I love her. And I was like, oh, shit. She's dead. Because I just know <laughs> she's going to die. Because she's either going to die or the twist is she's going to be the killer. You know yep. what I mean? But so she dies, obviously, the opening thing. And when it lingers on the ghost face, after the ghost face kills her, I was like, Oh shit, we're about to see the ghost face. He's about to take that mask off because it didn't go straight to the credit. So he takes the mask off. Tony Revolori. I'm a big fan of Tony Revolori. Me too. Big fan. So he goes back to his house and we're watching him now. And I'm like, well, shit, I think he's going to die now. So, like, the two new people that I love died in the opening scenes, I guess yeah. you will, before it even says Scream Six. Again, that doesn't make it just make it a bad movie. It's just you know I was disappointed that those two actors that I was fans of, yeah. you know, in this. So, but I thought it was such a that? yeah. But I thought it was such a bold way to start the movie off. I think it's my favorite opening for any of the screen movies because it is catching you completely off guard. I knew Samara Weaving was going to die. I didn't know that Flash Thompson was going to die as quickly as he did. I sort of thought like, well, we're just going to play the movie completely different now and he's going to be the killer throughout the entire thing. Um, and then obviously it didn't work out that way. But I thought that was so interesting. And I love the fact that 
Ghostface in this is more brutal than I think he's been in hard in probably any of the Scream movies. And that was that was awesome to see. It was awesome to see how violent and visceral he was. Also, I think of all the scary movie villains, Ghostface gets the shit beat out of him more than anybody else does. Um, like he just has a rough time uh, running around there. Um, which, which I mean, which makes it more real to me yeah. in the sense that, like, when you think back at all the screen movies of who the killers are, they're just regular people. Yeah. Like you know, they're just dumb idiots half the time that decide to do this. But I'm I just not trained killers. Absolutely. But I wish one time when they took the mask off, they would have like black eyes and bruises. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck, this the brick earlier was rough. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it looked like uh, Home Alone guys, the wet bandits. Yeah. You know? But I love the use of the different masks. I loved all of that. I thought that was great. I, I like, to be honest, it's in my top three of the Scream franchise. Like, I, to me, it's one, two, and then this one. Um, oh, wow. So, but but I also, at the same time, I didn't mind that I guessed the killers. That made me feel good about myself. Um, <laughs> but I do wish they would have had the balls to have killed some of the main characters. Uh, That's what I was going to say, too. I I love, love Sam and Tara. I think they're awesome. And I love the dynamic that we're establishing. I love, you know, and this isn't new for scary movies to, to flirt with the victim becoming the killer. We look at Friday the 13th Part 4. We look at A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We look at Friday the 13th 6, you know, all the Tommy Jarvis things, right? So I think what separates it though the way she does it is she fully fucking commits to it she is a lunatic when she gets a knife in her hands and it's terrifying right like, and 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 that look that jenna ortega gives her it's also so unsettling right and and i think that's part of it that makes it work um it's good to see skeet back again as well um yeah yeah, I love that scene, exactly what you're talking about, when Tara gave her that look, because, you know, in a lot of horror movies, that's when she would drop the knife and basically say, yeah, but I'm not like, you know, my father, or I'm not who you think I am. And, you know, you can rot in prison, basically. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't. She freaking just goes crazy and stabs him, you know, in the eye. And in Scream 5, she goes crazy, but that is 100% like in the moment. You know, yeah. she is fighting for her life and in the moment just stabbing him going crazy, which I, which I love. Me too. And then in this, it's the danger is over. She's already she's won and she put the suit on. You know what I mean? And that in of itself is, that's kind of mind-blowing. I, I love that. Oh, the suit. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, if you wanted to like troll people, it'd be so funny, you know, like on social media, you post the picture of Sam taking the ghost face mask off. Absolutely. You know, that because it's great. I that mean, should have been that should awesome. have been the marketing campaign because that also fits within the story. You know what I mean? Of everybody thinking she's behind it all. Yeah. And so the only thing that I kind of got a little wrong, and I think they should have went this way and they didn't, was you know, they're avenging Richie's death or whatever. Yeah. But especially that when the what they're trying to say about uh conspiracy theories and stuff about how a lot of people are now saying. Sam staged the whole thing and she was the, the killer or whatever. I think it would have been much better if the family was going after Sam because they thought that oh, she actually was that's the great. ghost face killer. Because in this, you know, I think Deborah Moroni says something like, yeah, of course we know 
Richie, you know, did it or whatever. But if, if they're going after her because, you know, almost like a the sick movie that we watched. That that's Wayne exactly wrote. what I was going to say. I think that's the thing that separates it from sick, though, is that sick. They they thought she was and they were wrong. But in this, they know. And I guess that's the delineation from, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wish they would have thought that she was because they were hammering that so much and it really would hammer in the conspiracy theories about like these people are so crazy with conspiracy theories that they are trying to kill people because they think they they're responsible. Absolutely. The problem is 100% what you said is they don't have the balls to kill the main characters. And now we have four main characters. Agreed. Yeah. And going into the movie, I really thought the only person that i kind of knew for a fact or really believed would be 100 safe and wouldn't be killed would be mindy and that is because i believe you know it's not that i believe she's the randy now mm-hmm. and i think that they not the people that are making this movie but they made a mistake killing off randy mm-hmm. in two it was it was brutal and surprising yeah. But I don't think they, you know, they were going to make that mistake again. Mindy was going to be safe. I, I believe that. I thought, you know, Tara could potentially die. Sam could t- potentially die. You know, going into it, what a, they could even be the killer. You know, going into it, as far as that goes, Mindy was the only one that I was confident that she was going to be safe. And she, even when she showed up at the end, she knew who the killers were. <laughs> She yeah. was like, I know who the killers are or whatever. But I love her line of like, yeah. uh, I got it wrong again. Fuck. <laughs> like that was good. And I, yeah. I thought that subway scene was great. I think this, I loved seeing Friday the 13th part eight on the TV in there, but I thought this did a, a better job of incorporating some aspects of New York city. I don't think any of it was shot in New York city, but it, it no, did it was a, like Montreal or something. Yeah. But I think it did a great job of incorporating some of those things that we identify with New York. Um, but I think you know overall, it's a great way to push the franchise forward in new and exciting ways. And I, yeah, I think we're in agreement that they should have the the balls to kill some of these franchise hangovers, which takes us to a show that we can talk about now. I'm an episode behind, but I think Chad is as well, and that's Star Wars: The Bad Batch. Uh, the last episode I saw was about your boy, uh, and yet. Yeah. How are you feeling about the show right now? You know, a lot of these episodes are forgettable to me. It's not that it's a bad show. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying them when I watch them. Uh, But I'm hard-pressed to remember what some of them are after the fact. Mm -hmm. Because, again, a lot of them are Mission of the Weeks. And, and yeah, I can be like, oh, yeah, that was the uh, Temple of Doom one. That was the Godzilla one. You know, I mean, I can remember them that way, but it's still – this is it's a weird problem because I don't think that Echo had a lot to do on the show anyway, um, originally. Yeah. But now that he's gone and left, it, it just feels weird because yeah. the group is only three, three big guys and then Omega. Mm-hmm. And it seems too small to me now. I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. It, it's not like Echo is even doing a whole lot because again, record, had a personality. Wrecker was the big wrecker. Tex, the smart hunter's the leader. Omega, you know, it, like what's what's Echo really other than there? To he's a degree? repeat, but that's his name, yeah. Echo. Yeah, and then even you know, certainly uh, 
at the beginning when they were getting Echo on the team, yeah, he, you know, he, he went, had to go through something, you know. But then once he was, like, on the team, he wasn't really doing anything. But, but I just feel like I miss him in that regard. So oh. that might be hurting the show a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the mission of the week's hurting it. But like you said, the last episode, the Crosshair episode, was amazing. I love amazing. it. I love Crosshair so much. Um, and at the end of that episode, that Imperial officer is just basically spitting on him, treating him like shit. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, just fucking shoot him. Just shoot him, Crosshair. Just shoot him. And, that, you know, the Imperial walks off, and I'm like, ugh, he's not going to do it. And then he does shoot him. And I was like, fuck yeah. It was yeah. awesome. I love that they gave us that. I love that he shot that Imperial. So, in, and it's interesting, too, because the two Crosshair episodes that we've gotten this season are him being a uh, – good soldier following orders and then now <laughs> doing you know going against it right like in a way he could replace echo and come back to the the thing but it's also uh, it takes me a second to remember wait a minute this is a disney cartoon and one of our main characters just killed a motherfucker on screen shot him point blank dead like this is ballsy this is darker and more dramatic than anything bullshit and orc pull <laughs> um not that rob's ever gonna listen to this but anyway uh yeah i like i love it i i think it's great i wonder you know at the end of it we have uh was it the end of this episode where somebody wakes up and they're being examined crosshairs because he passes out after he shoots the guy that's right and then he's like at a doctor's table and you kind of don't know other than the the doctor says something like hey, you might get out of this alive if you listen to us or something like that i can't remember yeah. but i wonder if they're going to connect that to what's going on in the mandalorian now or if she herself is another clone if because we we had always suspected that boba was alpha what if that doctor is alpha because she has a similar tone of voice to what omega sounds like so that would be interesting. yeah i thought it was i thought it was the same voice actress yeah so. at first i was like that's that's like that's weird it's the same voice actress and then I listened and it was like a little different and it, it was throwing me off. So it, it absolutely could be intentional. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love the show and, uh, you know, I think it's absolutely great. Um, that being said, uh, there's another show I watched a little bit of uh, and I don't know if I love as much. I've only watched four episodes of it, but it's History of the World Part 2 on Hulu, um, produced by Mel Brooks. Part of it's written by Mel Brooks narrated but not directed by mel brooks um and i kind of wish it was and there's some funny moments to it it's in it's a who's who like it's great to watch and see cast members that show up and all that stuff but at the same time it's like this should have been made 20 years ago because it's parroting stuff from 20 years ago uh like i mean don't get me wrong it's parroting stuff from hundreds of years ago but using the mediums of 20 years ago right like They have a punked episode, and I'm like, mm, that's not that's not too topical. Uh, so, not necessarily that you know Rasputin is, but still, uh, it's fine. It's fine if you like Mel Brooks, you'll like it. It's it's you know, um, there's some great stuff. There's like one about going uh, uh, D Day, and everybody in the the ship 
just keeps puking on each other. It's just covered in vomit. So it's just disgusting, fun, silly humor. I liked it. It's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, so you should check that out. Another thing uh, that we checked out, and I think that's all we have to talk about that Rob hasn't seen. So fuck him. Since just us, since we're the last of us, let's go ahead and talk about that show. Uh, so HBO Max just wrapped up Pedro Pascal starring, Bella Ramsey starring, all of the cast from the actual video game starring The Last of Us. Chad, what did you think about the show? So the last time we talked, we, we talked about the first four episodes. And I really kind of broke it down and talked about each episode individually. So I'm, I'm going to do that a little bit here. You know, episode five uh, was heartbreaking. It was the one where the guy had to kill his own deaf brother heartbreaking and you know when that when it first started that episode we flash back a little bit to them um you know getting on um in the world and i was like man i hope this isn't like episode three where it's just the two of them the entire time and but it wasn't you know we we got a little bit and then we joined pedro and uh bella so so it was fine I, you know i like that aspect of it uh this episode though it was action-packed when they got to the cul-de-sac you know and had the huge fight it was awesome you know mm-hmm. i i loved it uh with all of the clickers and the big bloater uh it was awesome starting even with the, the sniper guy I, I was a big fan of episode five you know i dug that one um then six is the one where he meets up with his brother in that town yeah and you know i just stay in that town there, there's no doubt like that's it mission accomplished as far they as got I'm everything i need like you know she's not dying yeah, fuck, yeah. stay here it, it's already perfect and then they say hey uh are you coming to movie night well, yeah. movie night yeah. yeah i'm definitely staying there but the problem um, is that this world stopped advancing like 20 something years ago. So I don't get the MCU at all. Ugh, that's rough. Yeah, but you still, you're not going to get the MCU ever. So it doesn't really matter. There'll be plenty of films you haven't seen. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Episode seven is the uh, Ellie Riley flashback. Also heartbreaking because we know how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, episode three, I didn't know how it was going to end. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't realize they're both going to die at the end. Uh, I had no idea they weren't going to join them. You know, I didn't, I didn't play the game. I didn't know how that was going to go, but this one, you know, that Riley's not going to be with her. And I also feel like just based on context that Riley is the person that, you know, Ellie killed. Yeah. That that's what I thought. So I'm like, Oh it, it, yeah. Again, just heartbreaking. And even though most of the episode, was a flashback it was funny because it's about ellie so we're informed about ellie who she is where she is today yeah so that was perfect episode eight you got the terrible cannibal reverend and his flock you know um what i really loved about that episode is ellie got out of the situation without joel's help at all completely by herself yep she saved joel's life by giving him the knife and you know drawing them away and getting the medicine, all that stuff. She saved his life. Then 
killed the Reverend, got away, did everything on her own. And one of the things that I feel like Walking Dead does really well is reunions. So when I'm watching this episode, uh, you know, I was watching my wife and Maggie, and I, and I said, this reunion is going to be awesome when they get back together. And at the end of that episode, when she walks out, she's killed the Reverend, and Joe like grabs her, and they embrace. It did not disappoint. No. It was an amazing, amazing reunion when he called her baby girl. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to real fast to juxtapose that scene when they get to the town and Ellie finds out about Joel's daughter and she tries to talk about it. And all Joel says is no. Like as soon as it was, Oh, it was heartbreaking. The acting is amazing on this show. Absolutely. Again, he's just saying no. And you just feel everything. It's awesome. Last episode, episode nine is the uh, season finale. To be honest, I'm not real sure how I feel about this episode because I felt like it was a little anticlimactic. Um, I know online there's a lot of people that are mad at Joel, but you know, I, I'm not at all. I, I you know, I, I totally get why he did what he did. I, you know, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's not why I don't know how I feel about this episode. It was not because of Joel's actions, because Joel just became a badass. Yeah, it, it was like nothing was standing in his way. He was killing everybody. It did not matter whatsoever. He had one focus. It was getting Ellie out of there. And then just to lie to her face on more than one occasion about the situation. It's like, wow, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But I also agree, like, where I don't know how I feel about the episode because I think there's such a role reversal that happens between you know, before Ellie's the one that's always trying to open up and Joel is the solitary monolithic sort of character. Whereas in this episode, it's sort of reversed, right? And Joel's the one that's constantly trying to bring stuff up about the past, all that jazz. And it just feels sort of unnatural uh, because she's resisting it. And so thus that chemistry has sort of altered for, you know what I mean? And I think that chemistry is such an important dynamic of the show. Um, but, but, but like, it, it's heartbreaking, you know, I, I think him becoming a badass in those two moments in, in the last, in the episode eight and nine, when eight, where he just decides I'm mowing everybody down, and in nine, when the sound ceases to be diegetic, and he's just mowing through, killing everyone in that hospital, all for her, like, it's heartbreaking, man. But it's also like, fuck yeah, Pedro Pascal, save Grogu. I mean, Ellie. And <laughs> arguably, this is the best video game adaptation ever made. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd have to really think. I mean, I know this is on the front of our mind because we've been watching it. You don't want recency bias or frequency bias. Or yes. Yeah, so... But yeah, I don't know. I, I very well could be the best video game adaptation. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head for sure. At least until we see uh, Super Mario Brothers here in a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that might be like kind of dismissive, but I'm super stoked about it, just to be honest. Um, uh, I'm stoked about it. It's not going to be like as powerful as The Last of Us. I don't know. But if I'm Mario, stoked about it. Mario saves Toadstool by wiping out Koopas and then lying to Toad to his face. 
Uh, well, if thanks. you haven't seen it yet, you need to check it out. It's a Saturday Night Live skit with Pedro it's Pastel. It's great. Where it's- he's Mario, and it's right. like the last of Yeah, it's amazing. It really is awesome. Yeah, or if you just want to sit through somebody playing Donkey Kong 1 and Donkey Kong Jr., uh, feel free to check that out on YouTube. Well, uh, you know, you weren't as uh, – uh, your hubris was not as great in this one. You, you beat it. I guess I don't know if you did or not. You beat Donkey Kong Don- Junior, but again, the first one you were like, "Yeah, it just took me forty-five minutes, and I beat it. I beat the whole game." <laughs> yeah, I've never even played it before. <laughs> this one you're like, "Yeah, I beat it. Yeah, no big deal." But because you you gave me a talking to, so I had to calm myself down. Wait till you see the new one I'm recording now, Donkey Kong Two. God, it's rough. Um, uh, but yeah, but but speaking of uh monkeying around with stuff i forgot to mention another movie i saw that rob didn't and that's marlo starring liam neeson it's a uh film noir thing it's not good all right moving on uh, <laughs> it's okay it's got a great cast and it's just i don't know it's missing some elements plus like let liam neeson take a break let that motherfucker retire he's 97 years old he can't be kicking ass all the time let him sit and eat a salad just once poor guy Anyway, they're gonna keep uh, paying him. He's gonna keep doing it. Keith. Absolutely. No, he's yeah. Um, he's just and this movie is one of those, like, I want to get to that age where I'm like 86 years old and I can still kick ass, quote unquote, and all the girls want to fuck me. Like, I want to get to that because that's what's happening in here. Like every time he turns a corner, woman's like, Oh, you're so handsome. Let's have sex and have a steak and then beat up this guy. And he's like, I can't right now, honey. I have to find my daughter or whatever, you know? It's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. Whatever. Fuck that movie. I like how you said you want to do that when you want to be that way when you're 86. I would take that at any point ever in my yeah, life. T- tomorrow would be great. That would be, <laughs> be solid. Uh, but but uh, speaking of Pedro Pascal, the segues aren't that great on this episode, guys. Um, uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, another example of him saving small children, and that is The Mandalorian. Uh, there are three episodes out. I've seen all three. You've seen two. Uh, where are you at? How do you feel about the show? Uh, what are you thinking so far? I enjoyed these uh, these two episodes. Unlike uh, the Bad Batch, I feel like he's got a mission. And everything that we're doing is in service of that mission. Uh, so I enjoy that. You know, some of the prior Mandalorian episodes, it definitely was like a mission of the week mm-hmm. type deal. You know, it could be like the Seven Samurai episode, stuff like that, where we're, we're actually just meeting characters that are going to help us later on in the in the thing. But it's kind of aimless where now we got a mission. He wants to, I don't really know how to say it, but he wants to be a Mandalorian again, get to get the, to get their acceptance again. So, you know, where I left it is he went to uh, Mandalore and he was, you know, basically kidnapped by that awesome droid. Well, if that's even a droid, it, great. it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It looked awesome. And, uh, I, I, what I liked in this too is Grogu's doing a little stuff on his own as well. Like he had to go and get Bo-Katan to come back. And again, I'm a sucker for this, but it's just so freaking cute. Grogu's so freaking cute when they're yeah. in the cave and Bo-Katan is like, you know, walking in the cave and it's scary and clearly Grogu is scared. And she says something like, I know you're scared, but 
if we're going to save him, you have to show me the way to where he is. And he still looks scared. And then the determination on his face is like, no, I've got to go help save my dad, basically. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, just the cutest freaking thing. It, yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah, you know, I'm digging these uh, these two episodes so far. You know, I can't wait to jump into episode three. I, uh, yeah, I've seen all three episodes. I think I literally jumped out of my seat at the Mythosaur uh in episode two that was i was so excited by that and i don't give a fuck about mandalorians i don't know why i had such a visceral response it was like like maggie said my remote was sweaty and shit like that like i was just no um i loved it and then episode three i really dug and i i agreed with you about it seemed like we were advancing a story until episode three takes a like a bunch of turns I didn't expect and I won't say them but we uh the the killer is Richie's dad no um so like I it it does a couple of things it follows a character that we've seen before and puts them in an interesting place and it feels like at the beginning of their story oh I see what we're doing we're establishing this but then it fucking zigs when it should have zagged and and the world that you you came in understanding is sort of like flipped on its side. Not like in the most drastic ways, but characters who you thought you had an understanding of now find themselves in a completely different path. And and that's just compelling. It's it's great not being able to know where the story's gonna go. I love it. Uh, either way, this is the way I'm gonna watch all of that shit. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm a sucker for it. And, and it does feel like they're telling a larger story that's more grandiose within a universe. And Good. That, and you know, I'll do uh I'll do Rob real fast. Um yeah, because I know a little bit of what he thinks about at least the first time. It's it's too kitty for me. Uh it's not Andor. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I got a complicated relationship Star with Star Wars. Um, the people that run Star Wars don't know what they're doing. They had it perfect with Andor. There's, it's unbelievable that they're going back to this Muppet stuff in Star Wars. Like, oh, they're they're ruining the Mandalorian. It was one of my favorite shows, and they're ruining. It. That's Rob. He's got to find the littlest thing to complain about. But speaking of little things, let's talk about a movie that's hot off the presses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, we both saw it when it fucking came out, which was months ago. <laughs> um, I remember there were ants. That's what I remember. Chad, what did you think about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? The third uh, Ant-Man film, the uh, MCU film, and the start of the new phase. Yeah, you know, Rob was saying something like, yeah, what do we got to talk about? And I was like, Ant-Man. And he's like, we didn't talk about Ant-Man? It came out forever ago. I was like, yeah, I know. That's what happens when we rarely record. Mm -hmm. So Ant-Man was, this is bottom tier MCU to me. It is not, uh, I don't mean that it's bad. Mm. Um, I've liked every MCU movie. I've loved a lot of them and I've liked, I've at least liked every one of them, but this is definitely uh, bottom tier. I enjoyed it. It had some problems though. I mean, it definitely had some problems. Just, just even you know, half the issue is, you know, Janet hasn't told anybody about her experience, not even, you know, Hank about her experience in the uh, quantum realm or whatever. 
Yeah. And then even when they're in there, she has the opportunity to tell them. She's always like, "Hey, uh, we don't we don't have time to talk about this now." And then, uh, well, after she says that, they go and they ride, you know, a beast for like an hour to get to their next destination. Maybe talk about it then. You know, all this time you're walking in the woods or whatever. Tell them what's going on. They they don't do that. I don't like that. That to it me that's just, bad writing. It tells me that Janet and and Hank have a bad marriage. That's all it tells me. Go ahead. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't like that aspect of it. And even at the end of the movie, when the whole deal is Scott is going to sacrifice himself and stay in the quantum realm, you know, to make sure that Kang doesn't get out, and uh, hope joins in and helps at the yeah. very end that sacrifice is immediately taken away when the portal reopens like if that's if that's the deal it just made no sense to me that yeah. they acted like this was a big thing when they just could open the portal right back up you know and maybe they didn't know but still it doesn't matter like why not just leave them in there for six months or something you know well, and then I- I, I think the reason to not do that is because they did that at the last one. You know what I mean? That was the ending of part two. I mean, I know that's what they did, but in that one, they were in there and you didn't know what was going on. They, you know, were just, but in this, he's literally sacrificing himself to stay. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. And, and don't get me wrong. I think the film would have been a million times better had that been the case, had that been where they decided to go with it. And it feels like there might have been a reshoot or something that led to that. You know what I mean? Um, well, even the end end after he's back in the real world, it, it did make sense to me. It was it was weird. Uh, it to me it felt tacked on. And well, you know, interestingly enough, to speak of being tacked on, uh, <laughs> Rob Progleyshjeman has just joined the conversation. He looks like he's reporting from a mental asylum. Rob, how you doing? Um, uh, in, in lieu of the fact that it's possible the people I work with today may hear this, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Are you reporting from an air hangar? Because it sounds like that, that's what it sounds like. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in my bunker in Marietta. I'm hiding from all people in the industry, and I've come out just to ridicule Ant-Man. That's okay. only I'm on here. Well, let's do it really quick. Um, give us your, because uh, we're talking about Ant-Man right now, but we can dive back and do a, a lightning round for Rob. What did you think about Last of Us? Yeah, it was a really strong show. I mean, I, I, really, I, I dug it. It was, uh, you know, I understand. I've heard people talk about how they're, they're a little bummed because it was sort of sold as a quote-unquote zombie show. But, you know, I think every good zombie show really other than World War Z or movie, you know, comes down to the relationships and the people. The people usually become, you know, we're the ones who get feral quickly and, you know, it's, we become the most dangerous, dangerous thing. Um, I dug it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, HBO, you know, not to make too broad, they just, boy, they make good stuff. They just, they take their time. The quality is usually on point. You know, you know, I think the favorite thing I ever saw them make was Chernobyl. Um, But this- and I know I think a similar filmmakers, I believe similar people from Chernobyl it's are the same showrunner for Chris yeah. Mason. He wrote, he wrote and, uh, both of them for sure. Just such a good, 
and it keeps you on your toes and not just, you know, again, it's, they bounce around fleshing out different characters and different stories, building out the world. And man, even messing with your head with the, the lengths of the episodes, I find the lengths of the episodes shocking. Sometimes all of a sudden you're there for a longer period of time and it's overwhelming. And then, then one just shuts off in your face and, you know, at the 40, 35 minute mark. And you're like, what? And it's just, uh, it's very emotionally affecting. Yeah. Uh, it's well cast. It's well written. It's, um, and again, this is another show I think is a victim of its own success. Some of the episodes are so freaking amazing that the really good ones suffer by comparison. And you got to sit back and go, oh, wow. Okay, I just got to look at this one as, a, as its own thing and go, wow, this is a pretty good thing for its own thing. And don't compare it to episode three or episode seven. I'm losing track of which ones are which, but uh, just very powerful. Yeah, very, very powerful. Absolutely. No, I agree completely. But speaking of suffering, let's hear your opinion on the show Picard. You just watched season three of it. Oh, my God. It's so freaking good. I, you know, and maybe there's just been a dearth of good quality Star Trek and there has for a long period of time, I think. Um, I, I just, I needed, I needed a good dose of quality old school Star Trek, good filmmaking and old school characters. And I thought I had that with season one of Picard and season one of Picard is eh, and I got through it. Season two of Picard, I couldn't even get through. So my expectations of this were in the dumpster mm-hmm. and literally it is just, you are shot out of a cannon from the get go of episode one. And it is awesome. And they're bringing back cool people from the, all it's, it is so good. I, and I know Chad is very meticulous about how he watches things. So by the time he gets to Picard season three, I, I will, I will be in an old age home. Um, and that's why I almost want to play a spell and put a spell on you guys to just, I want to, I want Dr. Strange to make you forget that season one and two exist, get rid of it. So you can jump into season three. Cause I don't even think you need, I don't even think you need season one and two to make season three make sense. I don't, I, yes, there's continuity, but there's nothing that launch that, that you have to see in one or two. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And it's so good. And it just, it feels like Star Trek, you know, I, I just love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And, Again, it's not just the name Star Trek. I didn't like Discovery. I couldn't get into it. I didn't like the feel of it. It didn't capture Star Trek. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's that new show on uh, the one. Uh, Strange oh, New Worlds. Strange New Worlds, yes. And I watched the first episode. And it was good. And it felt like Star Trek a little bit. But I couldn't get into it. Um, this, boy, this was this was something else. I'm looking forward to Chad being, you know, old and gray and telling me he watched the first episode of Star Trek Picard season three. Um, that'll be fun. Good stuff. Good all stuff. You people yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out. As soon as I'm done with my Voyager, I'm on season six. I'm, I'm jumping six into the well. card. From Trek to Wars, uh, Rob, what did you think about Mandalorian? So where are we on discussing it right now? I saw I saw, season, I saw episode three this morning. I saw all three episodes. Chad's only seen the first two. Um, so it's it's been bizarre for me. It really has. Do I... I I'm in. I like the Mandalorian. I like Pedro Pascal. I love the character he's created. I, I feel there's an there's an interesting the writing of the dialogue for Din Djarin uh, and for Katie Sackhoff in this season two feels very stilted to me. The characters were much more conversational 
Well, Din Djarin from beginning to end, I felt I found it much more conversational and down to earth season one and two and in that mini and the mini season in Boba Fett. And I found Katie Sackhoff much more conversational in season two, the way they talked and everything feels so clipped and bizarre. And it so episode three, I will bet my left nut that the beginning part of episode three was not directed by the same person who directed once we go to the story of the doctor. Comple- I get completely different. There's no way. I know there was a woman who was credited for directing that episode. There was no way in hell the same person directed both of those segments. It feels completely different. The dialogue's different. Um, for me, this is a compliment and, and, and something that makes me feel good. You two are going to hate it. I felt like once we got away from Din and Katie Sackhoff, I felt like it was going much more towards the quality of Andor with the Doctor. Did you get that vibe, though? Did you get that feel? Well, I I, I knew you were going to like it from where episode three went, but Chad did an impression of you a minute ago and what you would say about Mandalorian, and this was some of the things he included. Um, But, but, uh, yeah, I thought, especially the reveal at the end of episode three was much more, like, and or but also like comic book like weird like so that that did surprise the shit out of me the twist i I didn't i was like of all the things happened i was like what yeah because i i thought we were building towards one thing with that doctor character and then whoa we're not okay and then also the twist that happens with the mandalorians themselves about the character who changes their mind perhaps, you know what I mean? Like that was sort of surprising to me as well, but a good yes. idea. Every, but everything, I don't, I don't trust any of those motherfuckers. Me either. I, me either. I don't trust, I, I don't trust uh, Bo-Katan and I don't trust the armorer. You know, yeah. I, I, I trust Grogu and the Mandalorian. Everybody else is suspect, yeah. you know, in their, in their intentions. I don't, I don't trust any of them. And there was some weird editing in the dialogue between Din Djarin and Katie Sackhoff. Like when they're discussing the, uh, what's the dinosaur creature, the mythosaur? Yeah. Um, and she's like, did you just notice anything down there? And, and there's a moment when he's like, why? And she goes, nothing. There was just, it wasn't like a normal conversation. It wasn't how normal people speak in the, in the cadences going back and forth. And, and it just bothered me. In the way they talk to each other, I, I don't know. Thank God, we left them and we went to people who actually talk like human beings. The doctor, when he met those other, <laughs> I, I said, her going, oh my God, real, real discussions, real talk." This is. I also think that's not very indicative of who Rob Prago is because when we cut to this other person, he's like cloning technology at the gene level finds, and Rob's like, "Finally, a conversation I understand." <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about quantum and cloning. It's really not real to me. Um, um, but you'll see, Chad, when you get to it, what I'm discussing. The relationships, how it's shot, uh, everything's different. It, it's just, yes, it, it feels like it feels like an adult is making a movie as opposed to HR, H, HR Puff and stuff. God damn it. Chad's impression was really good, it turns out. Oh, he knows me. Look, if, if I'm anything, I'm predictable. It's fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with I, 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 I just didn't talk about your bad back. That's the only thing yeah, I missed. That's the only thing. Uh-huh. It is so tight right now. I mean, <laughs> I, oh my, God. my thing about episode three of Mandalorian is 
Coruscant looks like it's so fucking big. I got tired just watching people walk everywhere. Like I was like, I could never. But it's survive a beautiful fuck. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, but it's like it I would stunning. No, I would I, the chafing I would have after spending a day walking. I was laughing so hard because the doctor's like walking around all paranoid because people are looking at him. I'm going, this bitch wouldn't last two seconds in New York City. This place looks spectacular. Everybody's so nice. And somebody that glances at him, he's caving. I'm like, dude, this is like Shangri-La. What are you talking that about? Was so fucking Louis. I looked at that apartment housing complex. I'm like, that motherfucker's huge. That's oh my crazy. god, look at this place. It looks like it looks like the perfect like over 55 community. I bet you there are STDs going all over that place. Yeah. These people are getting laid, having fun. What a, what a weird insight into. I want to go to that place for vacation. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> he, he just talked about all the STDs people were getting, and he followed. I want to go there. <laughs> Oh, I want you to go to there. Absolutely. We clap for the clap here. Well, uh, speaking of little things, since Rob is back, let's go ahead and talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, Chad was discussing it uh, earlier. Uh, Chad sort of gave his thoughts about it. He thinks it's the best movie ever made. Rob. I did not say that. <laughs> Rob, how did you feel about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Bottom four, bottom five, Marvel. Kind of what Chad said. Bottom four, bottom five. Easily. I was it, it it approached eternal level mundaneness to me. It was just it was a slog to get through for me. It was the jokes felt forced. I saw the the world didn't look real to me. I felt like they were in a bubble. It just I felt like they were on a very small stage. Um it just dragged, man. It just, I, I just did not enjoy. I don't remember the last time I didn't enjoy Bill Murray. And it was like, they, they just, it just sucked the life out of everything. I mean, was Wasp even in the movie? I, mean, I just, it's just so, the whole thing was so vague. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it was funny. I was joking. I was like, clearly, it can't be because what's his name wasn't in the movie. You know, he, he, his buddy, what's it, the actor, uh, Latino actor who did the whole. Michael Pena. Story. Yeah, Pena. I mean, he wasn't in it, but clearly that's not the reason the movie wasn't any good. Um, he could have used him, though. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. I just, I, I mean, Mich Michelle Pfeiffer was great. You know, I really enjoyed the interaction, the moments with her and, and uh, I always said Khan and Kang. Um, I, 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 you know, I could have watched more of that. That was interesting to me. That was fascinating to me. I felt like Hank Pym was just a third wheel the whole time. It was felt it was it was it, it, nothing really was cohesive. It was just, I mean, this is the third out of the last four movies where I thought there were big script problems or somebody got their hands on it in post and just did some chopping and because it just did not flow. It, at all so i have concerns you know i have concerns but i, I really did not enjoy the movie I, I maybe maybe and due to expectations it might be my least favorite due to expectations because i had pretty good expectations i liked ant-man i liked you know you know the story i liked the first two movies they were fun and again i, I didn't have any really expectations for thor dark world and i kind of enjoy it sometimes um I didn't, uh, you know, I had expectations for Multiverse of Madness and it let me down. I had expectations for, uh, um, oh my God, a huge expectations for uh, Love and Thunder. Huge. And I did, boy, I, again, I didn't really enjoy it. It was, 
Ugh. Um, so they're kind of three out of, they're one out of four in their last four movies as far as just, and again, could it be burnout? Could it be me? I mean, I, I you know, I'm yeah. not the only these feelings, but um, I'm glad, I'm, I'm interested to see now that Iger's back to see if he, it sounds like he's pumping the brakes a little bit and things are getting pushed back. I, there, were, there were things getting pushed back now to 2028. I mean, you know, we're talking three, four years, all of a sudden things are like, whoa, 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 spreading this out, giving characters time to be developed, time to breathe, um, which good for, I think, the product, uh, bad for me because I'll be 20, I'll be 62 in uh, 28. So, um, so that's not good. Um, well, that's, that's ridiculous. You, you thank won't you. Be alive anymore. I think the thing about it is just kidding. <laughs> My tombstone will say, "I can eat." That's what I said. <laughs> I, I said, "Just kidding." That's the first time you've ever backed off on an insult, Keith. I am highly disappointed in you. Even that if one was a little say harsh. Somebody's gonna die. Me. You own that shit. Okay. Hey, Chad, Chad has been nothing but consistent in life. He he used to make fun of me, like I wouldn't make an insult for once. He'd be proud of me. Then I go, "I'm just kidding." He'd be like, "Oh my god." You're gonna insult, do it. Stick to your guns, man. Stick to your guns. I know. I got another buddy. Every time he says something, he's like, "I'm just playing." I'm like, "Stop it! Stop it!" <laughs> you said that to me so goddamn time. Um, I think to me, that's one of the problems with Airman and the Wasp: Quantumania is it doesn't stick to its guns. Like it, it has lofty ideas, but doesn't commit fully to those ideas, and and because of that, it sort of feels like a softened movie by committee at times like it feels like it wants to be quirky and broad and big but then it's just a couple of like in rooms talking scenes mostly you know what i mean like i wish more of it would have been whatever that storm of possibilities i wish it would have been more us exploring the quantum realm i don't think the fault of this is anywhere on the acting side. I think Paul Rudd is affable as always. Jonathan Majors, I thought was great. Michelle Pfeiffer does great. This is my favorite. It's one not of an my- actor problem. That's a hell of a no. cast. That's a that's a that's an yeah. astounding cast. I thought Michael Douglas. This is my favorite. He's been in any of these movies, and even uh, the young Cassie Lang. I thought she was great. She did a great job of capturing some of the essence of Paul Rudd. Evangeline Lilly didn't really have much to do, but I thought she was good in it. I think it was a, a story aspect where some of the things like that connective tissue wasn't really there for me. I think it was as if they overestimated my relationship to these characters and overestimated my understanding of what the stakes were. You know what I mean? And they didn't put the work in to get me there. I I, I sort of feel like it's batman v superman like hey you're rushing some of these elements you need to flesh this out a little bit more um so that way it means more to me and you could still have that quirkiness like i love the idea of the bookmarks of this film the beginning and the end where paul rudd is doing the narration thing that's great that's fine that's a, a big swing for a weird tone at the end that joke you're trying to make but i like big swings but I think the reason you miss it is that you're missing some context. Yes, earlier you've indicated what he's eating is that cake that uh, what's his name made the first cake he's made in 30 years or whatever. But the problem is that joke doesn't fire because you don't show me the cake right before he takes a bite out of it. So by the point, by the time I he takes a bite out of it, I've missed the joke. I've forgotten that that was the cake. And I think that's a microcosm for all the problems the film has. That it's just, you're skipping two steps 
and you're thinking I'm still going to be with you, but I'm not. And I think there might be, you know, an issue about the MCU gave us such big things with Endgame that everything after that just seems a little tinier. Um, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off. I'll let you go on. I mean, I think you make a really interesting point here because I think you 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 brought up something that I think we see in 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 our journey. And again, you you and me both uh, working with a lot of low budget filmmakers and indie filmmakers that in the in the process of making it, and, and when they write their own scripts, how many times have you looked at a writer and go? you know that because you wrote the script, but it's not in the script. So we don't know that you're filling in the DNA, but the audience isn't going to get it. We don't know this shit. I mean, I mean, countless times you're like, doesn't make any sense. And they go, well, this is this because of this. And I go, well, how the fuck does anybody know that? I mean, there's, they're just skipping connective tissue. That's a, that's, that's a good point. Uh, and, I, and I think it's, you know, and not to say that I don't think all the information's there, but again, I think with any audience, if you're going to make a mass appeal movie, you got to remind me, you know what I mean? Um, and and I, even on the emotional stakes level, at times we forget those things. I think there's some great connective tissue in the fact that the Modoc cassie Lane connection, that's awesome. That's cool. I love that. That played really well for me. But some of the overall stuff just feels like it was never flushed out. Like it feels like their scenes missing. It feels like they took the bare minimum of the dialogue from every scene and took out all the good stuff. You know what I mean? They just kept the coverage, but they forgot the icing on the cake. Um, and don't get me, there, there's moments I like. I like David Smallson's new character. That was cool. That was fun. Um, I liked Kang. I thought Kang was great. I don't think we've seen the last of that Kang. Uh, I think he gets sucked into the Creedverse. Um, and <laughs> I... I I liked Modoc. I loved the fucking ants have a th- having a thousand years of technocratic society. I thought that was a good little Rick and Morty gag. Um, but yeah, overall, I like it better than Thor: Dark World. But that's also I liked Cancer better than that too. You know what I mean? So it's um, God, just kidding, just Jeez. kidding. <laughs> I'll allow that. Just kidding. Um, the best part of Thor Dark World is that post credit scene with the little dog thing running around. That's the best part of that movie by far. That's funny. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I like it. I'll own it. It's not my favorite. I wish we'd have had a stronger start off. I wish it would have been weirder. And I think I would have liked it more. Could be. Yeah. What's next? Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Guardians that- 3. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I don't know when we're getting our first MCU show on Disney Plus. Is, is it? It's is it Echo or is it is it Loki two? I would I guess it would be Loki two. I can look that up right now. Um, uh, they started shooting Daredevil. They yeah. started shooting. They just started shooting that. There's 18 episodes, and I heard it's going to be three six episode pods. So they're going to do a six episode arc, then something else will come out, and then this will come out. There'll be another six episode arc, and then something else will come out. So they're going to have these oh, 18 episodes are going to be spread out. Um, over time, so I, you know, hopefully, blending well with other things that are going on around in the universe. I what think I, you got to think Echo is going to, you know, be a part of it for sure. I mean, not necessarily in the show, but like her story and whatever's yeah. going on with that. You know, you would think that's so be involved somehow. So here is where we stand right now. Secret Invasion will release in spring. Gotcha. Uh, that, that might be next, yeah. And then Loki season two this summer. Echo has a release date of 23, 2024. 
um marvel's november 10th uh x-men 97 fall of 2023 iron hearts 2024 covenant chaos 2024 captain america may 3rd 2024 daredevil spring 2024 thunderbolts july 26 2024 blade september 6 2024 deadpool 3 november 8 2024 we're just getting all these real quick i think blade's gonna get pushed again because they just had it something just came out about mahal he still doesn't like the script Oh, goddamn. Just let me rewrite it, guys. I got this. Uh, Fantastic Four, Valentine's Day 2025. Avengers King Dynasty, May 2nd, 2025. Avengers Secret Wars, May 1st, 2026. That's 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 been pushed back to 28. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. What they're going to do before that is they, they, um, I don't know how how recent that that article you're reading is. I think they're about to announce Battle World. Well, and the rumor is that Doctor Strange three is going to come out. Yeah, before that as exactly. Well. They're, they're, yeah, they're bringing. Yeah, they're they're fleshing um, stuff out. Yeah, so well, and they also uh, today it's been officially announced that James Gunn will be directing Superman. Um, cool. Zack Snyder came out with some weird tweet saying that something's going to happen uh, April twenty uh, eighth through thirtieth involving Dark Side and the Snyderverse. We don't know what that is yet. So yeah, it's fucking balls to the wall. What? Weird. Yeah. What is that? Um, and did either of you see the trailer for Teenage Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? I have not. I did. All right. Well, me and Chad are going to talk about it. Rob's going to listen. Here's some trailer music. All right, Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? And I'll look up all the information I normally say. <laughs> It was fine. You know, this is not one that I'm going to go to the movies to watch. I love the turtles. I will watch it, but I'm not, I'm not jumping up and down to go see this at the movies. Oh I, I watch it when it comes to streaming. It looks fine. It, nothing was egregious. The, the turtles were the turtles. I mean, I'm certainly not mad that April O'Neil is a chubby black girl all of a yeah, sudden. Me either. Like, like half the internet is like, geez Louise. Yeah. I think it looks great. And, uh, and if you're unfamiliar, it looks funny. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, film directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyle Spears, written by Brendan O'Brien, Kevin Eastman, and Peter Laird created the characters. And it stars the voice cast of Rose Byrne, Ayo Adabiri, Seth Rogen, Nicholas Cantu, Paul Rudd, Micah Abbey, Brady Noon, Natasha Dimitriou, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Jackie Chan, Shannon Brown Jr., John Cena, Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube, Post Malone, and Hannibal Burris. This is team Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. The Turtle Brothers, as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. To me, like this fucking thing, I'm so excited. I just looked up and Rob's gone. Rob left the podcast again. I'm here. I'm he's, here. Been, he's been here for four <laughs> minutes and then he left. I can't take it anymore. Turtles. <laughs> uh, to me, it looks like Spider-Verse, like animation style. And... And I love, I'm, I'm obsessed with the turtles. So to hear them voiced by teenagers actually for the first time, what an incredible cast. Like the cast is a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited. I love the tone of this. I think it looks great. Um, and then another trailer that I'm sure you saw uh, was the little mermaid. See that one? Yep. Cool. Uh, so the little mermaid uh, directed by Rob Marshall, written by David Maggi, uh, Rob Marshall, and John DeLuca. It stars Halle Bailey, Jonah Howard King, Melissa McCarthy, Javier Bardem, Jude uh, Akawudiki, Noma Dumawinzi, 
These names are all hard. Kaja Mahomar, Lorena Andrea, David Diggs, Jacob Tremblay, Aquafina, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Simone Ashley, Martina Laird, Art Malik, Jessica Alexander, John Daglish, and Emily Coates. Uh, of course, this is by Disney. And uh, a young mermaid makes a deal with a sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Chad, what did you think about the trailer for The Little Mermaid? I mean, it looks like exactly what it is. A live action Little Mermaid. I, I've said before on this podcast, I am not a fan of Disney's live action remakes. So I, I probably will not check this one out unless everybody's just going absolutely crazy over it, you know. But it looks like the Little Mermaid. Sure, read Dick. Put Maggie back on the computer so we can talk. <laughs> somebody with sense. Uh, Rob, what do you think about the trailer for Little Mermaid? Um, I thought it interrupted the Oscars. I thought it was. An, I thought it was a <laughs> weird use of, of. I thought it was 100%. inappropriate. I thought it was awkward. I, I I'd never seen. I don't think that's been done before like that. Where they just yeah. I mean, they should have just released it as a trailer. I mean, to have two actors come out and I, that was fucked up. And I think it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. That being said, I've never seen The Little Mermaid, the the, the cartoon. I've never seen it. I, I what know. the fuck? Top tier. No, it's amazing. That, could be, that could be what's wrong with me. I've never seen The Little Mermaid. So it, has, I it is an amazing movie. Like, no, oh, I'm not even knocking it. I just haven't seen it. I can't even tell you that it looks like The Little Mermaid because I've never seen The Little Mermaid. Um, God. That was good. The colors were pretty. It did nothing for me. You know, am I going to see it? I'd rather watch the cartoon. So new podcast. Uh, we're getting Rob to watch Disney cartoons he hasn't called Not Quite Cartoons. That's it's, what been a, it's been a while <laughs> since I think the last one I watched. I got to go back and look linearly. I want to say it was Beauty and the Beast, but it's been a, it's been a while since. I, well, I mean, Little Mermaid was before that. So you're just. Oh, so, OK, so I, I, I did pick up on a couple of them. But I, I've missed a lot. Of Disney Beauty and the Beast was years. 30 years ago. <laughs> Good, though. It really sticks with you. I mean, it He's is. watched it's Pixar, stuff. though. He's watched some Pixar stuff. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. like cartoons unless they're making out. Listen, I think... <laughs> with me. Yeah. That's, that's... I thought the, the trailer... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought the trailer looked great. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Her, her singing voice is magical. Melissa McCarthy looked awesome in it. Uh, Javier Bardem looks cool. They're doing the Aquaman style uh, underwater. Yeah, I'm here for it. It's going to be, plus it's Rob Marshall. Like it's not going to be bad. You know what I mean? Uh, he, can, he can make a musical. That's for yeah. sure. So, so I'm going to watch it. Um, and that's all the trailers I got for you guys. Um, and that's all I got. Oh, that's all I got. Period. Anything else? Anybody want? Chad, you got? Yeah, I got. Else? I got something. Okay, Rob. Um, you, Keith. I'm sure you've noticed this. We have released three, this will be our third main podcast of the year, not counting or not quite darkness. The first one of the year, Rob called it something like a whole something, a whole new year. The second one was drop. Yeah. A whole new year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The second one was like dropping a deuce, our second episode of the year. I don't know what your, you know, kink Uh, is. This is going to be like, but. A floating third, like a like a turd. No, like yeah, that's... I say, please don't call this like thirds a turd. Like, don't say, don't call it that, please. Why the fuck the are you giving him God. ideas? Yeah, I, I literally, I wouldn't have thought of that, but now it's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. First, second, <laughs> you turd. Not be allowed to name these. First, it's second, terrible. turd. 
you Perfect. know there's like some 12 year old outside of a gas station that he like outsources yeah. to get these names for <laughs> yes. i need poop and it's we're our fourth episode exactly <laughs> third sounds like turd <laughs> yeah. um, that was uh, i didn't even make don't a do it the, um i'd rather yeah. just say our third podcast please watch <laughs> or please <third> listen <laughs> our third podcast <laughs> Uh, so, Chad, where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, NQC Podcast. Uh, they can also find um, the podcast on Instagram, NQC Podcast on Instagram as well. Awesome. Yeah. Rob, where can the people find you? Right now I'm in Marietta. In 40 minutes, I'll be in Alpharetta. Oh, Come find yeah. me. That's where I'll be. Yeah, if Bye. you need to find me, please don't, unless you're bringing a check, and I would really appreciate that. Uh Thank you guys so much for joining us. Next time we talk to you, it'll probably be about the Christmas films of 2023. Um, who knows? Who knows how long it'll be? Uh, and whether Rob will be there the entire episode, halfway through the episode, we'll find out. Um, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions. Thanks. Thanks.